1: I'm Liz, the Chief Mom Officer, and when I'm not busy being the breadwinner of my family of five, I'm stacking Benjamins.
2: Live from Joe's Mom's Basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. <laughs> I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug and today is National Awkwardness Day and right on cue I noticed Joe's mom was wearing the same shirt as me. Awkward. Joe and OG are having a field day with that one, but oh, those guys are such kidders. We got a completely non-awkward show in store for you. Today we're talking health and wellness. Good timing, huh? Please welcome the man behind MetPro, Angelo Poli, plus from The Ascent, We'll talk taboo money topics today with director and industry analyst Nathan Hamilton. And don't worry, kid, I'll also save time for my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who are as awkward as they come, Joe and i I'm not awkward, you're
3: awkward. Not me. You know I'm what I, the smoothest operator.
0: I remember realizing that awkward is fine as long as you own it. You know, who cares how awkward you are?
3: You definitely own it.
0: I, I clearly don't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Awkward for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter and across the card table from me on Hump Day, the day after St. Patty's Day. And he looks, uh, he looks Okay. Must not have partied that hard, Mr. OG.
3: Yeah, it's hard to party when it's in the middle of the week. I
0: know, the Tuesday thing just kills St. Saint- Come on, St. Patrick, what are you doing? should be like
3: Christmas, always on a
0: Saturday. Always on a <laughs> As far as you know, yes. Big thanks to Free Tax USA for supporting Stacky Benjamins. For 10% off, go to freetaxusa.com forward slash SB and use code SB. Love it when you get ten percent off because you're a stacker. Lots of benefits, OG. Lots free of, money. Lots,
3: you, you're welcome. It should just be called Free Money USA.
0: <laughs> you're
3: welcome, that's America. The, that's the new name of our show.
0: Welcome to the Free Money USA podcast. We could be like, who is who is that guy that always had all of the deals? Matt Lesko, remember him mm-hmm. with all like the dollar signs on his suit and stuff. Yeah. yeah. We could be like that guy. Not today, though. Today, we're talking health and wellness on the show. Angelo Poli, a friend of ours from MetPro, he worked with superstars like Aaron Rodgers in the past. Works with a lot um, of uh, CEOs, celebrities, uh, big timers about health and wellness. And today, we're going to get you into ship shape because he's got a new book out. So we're going to talk about alignment on today's show, but first we got a couple headlines, so let's get started.
4: Hello, darlings, and now it's time for your favorite part of the show: our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: Our first headline comes to us from USA Today. This is uh, from a couple weeks ago, but I thought was was pretty interesting. Scammers returned the money after Shark Tank star Barbara Corcoran lost almost four hundred thousand in the phishing scam. You see this? Hmm. So you know Barbara Corcoran from uh, yeah personally uh, yeah she's BC good. is she, what I call she, her she's a good friend hey BC uh, Shark Tank star Barbara Corcoran has a reason to celebrate after the businesswoman and TV personality said her office fell victim to a phishing attempt to the tune of nearly four hundred thousand dollars Corcoran confirmed USA Today Thursday she got her money back I'm thrilled she said I've already accepted it moved on everyone told me I wouldn't get the money back and it just seemed unbelievable. The money was wired through a German bank on the way to the scammer's Chinese account. But my bank put pressure on the German bank and they froze the money, giving us time to prove it was fraud. I really thought I was a goner. Corcoran told People magazine a couple weeks ago or book, Keeper was duped into wiring the money after corresponding with hackers who posed as Corcoran's assistant. Here's the thing, and we'll link in the show notes to a show that we did, if you remember a couple of years ago, OG, with our friend Shannon, who wired over $80,000 for a home down payment to us. Yeah, I remember
3: that. Gosh, it's painful.
0: And here's the thing from where she was and listening to Barbara Corcoran's story, it's very similar. They got an email. That looked official. And the reason it looked official was because the scammer had hacked into, in the case of our friend Shannon, had hacked into the title company's website. So it looked exactly like the title company and said, hey, you need to wire your money to this account.
3: Yeah, for the upcoming closing that you've got next Tuesday... This is where we want you to send it.
0: And in this case, with Barbara Corker, my understanding is hackers had, had gotten in and were able to make it look exactly like something that uh, the assistant had answered over and over. So our assistant just goes, oh, yeah, 400000 bucks. Yep, sure. Send Pocket that change. Yeah, we just wire that real quick. Looks like everything else. How about that? When a, By the way, when a regular deal of yours is 400000 you don't even think about it. Oh, yeah, send it. Because we do that a few times a week.
3: I got to have countersigned checks for anything over 32 bucks in my life. That's right. <laughs> it's like it's like, "Whoa, wait a second. How much is the cable bill? I think we both need to sign off on that."
0: Like, how do I how do I get some of that? You got to watch that stuff very carefully, man. If you're ever wiring money, a wire means it gone. You better know who's on the other end.
3: Every single Well, day the, only pr- the only way to the only way I was talking to another client about this uh, who's buying a house. I said, "Listen, if you get your wiring instructions from an email, you're a fool. You need to call them on the telephone, the title company, and say, I'm in receipt of your email. Please tell me the wiring instructions. Yeah. And let that person, I mean, get the short f- of actually going down to the title company and getting it from them in person, you can't trust emails anymore.
0: This is an interesting side note here because, and I'm not sure if it still works this way, OG, but I remember... You know, I haven't been a financial planner for a decade, but back when I was, financial advisors for people that we manage money for, we couldn't take voicemail instructions. We had to talk to them verbally with instructions because of the fact that there were too many things that could be be fraudulent, it could be different. I had to talk to you personally so that I could ask you some questions. I'm sure that some of that exists today.
3: Well, yeah, there's obviously... 10 years is a long time. I think a lot of it just boils down to common sense. I mean, if you're an advisor and your client emails you and says, Hey, I need to change my IRA contributions from $400 to $500, or I need to change it from 500 to 400. That's not a off the reservation email. Your client emails you and says, Hey, I'm leaving town for a little while. And I really need you to close my account and wire it to this place where I'm going to be living in the Cayman's. I think that you need to make a phone call on. Uh, we have one a long time ago that I, I don't remember any of the details, but it was kind of one of those, this seems a little funny, like emails that came from a client and he had habitually wired money internationally because he had family that lived overseas. And so he was used to doing it, but the number didn't jive. It was kind of a weird number and, all of his other wire instructions had been in the low thou, you know, two thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, that sort of thing. And this number was a higher number, and it was weird. You know, it was like nineteen thousand three hundred eleven dollars and twelve cents. It it's like, huh? What, what, well, why not do twenty thousand? And why is it ten times more than you've ever done before? So we caught that pretty quick. But don't wire people money. Don't do it, people. Yeah, I think I think that's a good lesson.
0: And in our second headline a recent study by the Ascent from the Motley Fool some money topics score high on a list of taboo topics at work or around the dinner table and here to help us walk through some inc- pretty incredible findings I might add shortwave radio let's say hello to Nathan Hamilton director and industry analyst at the Ascent how are you man I'm doing well how
5: are you
0: doing today Well I'm great mostly because I couldn't believe some of the findings in here let's let's just start this let's kind of set the table here Tell us about the study in general before we dive in. What were you guys trying to figure out and how did you go about it? I'm glad
5: you're as shocked as we were with some of the findings. But um, what we said about finding is essentially what topics are taboo to talk about at work and also around the dinner table. And of course, being from the Molly Fool and that being in our nature, finance is one of those topics that we really focused on. And as we can jump into, as we talk a little bit more about the research, We'll find some tasty little tidbits in there that are somewhat surprising. Some are the normal ones like politics and religion that you'd expect people aren't comfortable talking about, but, uh, some finance areas, we'd really love to see some progress with people feeling comfortable talking about those topics.
0: Yeah. You surveyed over a thousand people on this. The, uh, it was, it was funny when you talk about money, politics, and religion, just how differently those score. But before we get to those, Let's start with the dinner. Well, we'll spend most of our time around the dinner table because that's most of our audience. What scored number one is the most taboo topic to talk about around the dinner table?
5: So this one is criminal history. That is the number one topic that people will not talk about. And as we saw in our survey, 85.2% of people think that's taboo to talk about around the dinner table.
0: I would think so too. I mean, I don't know how I transition out of a discussion that says, so when I went (laughs) to jail a few weeks ago.
5: Yep. But you know what? Here's the thing. Um, That's on par with talking about sex life, which is understandable, not a topic that would come up around the dinner table, and certainly not at work as well. So definitely not a surprise to see that scoring really highly in our survey.
0: Yeah, you had sex life as number three, receiving government assistance was number two, and I totally understand that one. But number four, I guess here, Nathan, as I look at this, and we'll link to it on our show notes page at Stacking Benjamins for people that want to watch while you and I are talking Tell me about the next four in a row are all money related. Yeah, and and that's
5: the shocking thing to us to essentially consider it on par with sex life are certain money topics. So I'm going down the list of the next four. It's credit card debt, home loan debt, income and credit score, which to me are somewhat surprising. But, you know, I also have to look in terms of my background and so forth, which is mostly focused on personal finance as a topic. So naturally you talk about that. Uh, more frequently, but that's generally not the status quo outside of the personal finance industry. And it's really, really surprising to see those numbers that high. We had a suspicion the numbers were going to be high, but we didn't know it would be essentially eight out of every 10 people are uncomfortable talking about that topic.
0: Well, and I want to get into the next two here because racial bias is next at 78.5. So are you saying Nathan, that people are a little more comfortable talking about being a racist than they are about having credit card debt?
5: It's unfortunate, but yeah, that is true. Of course, any of those topics, we'd want anyone to feel comfortable talking about them, but money topics like we outlined are essentially less comfortable, more taboo to talk about than racial bias.
0: And it scored above sexual harassment, which obviously is a topic I can't imagine having around the dinner table, but the fact people would rather not talk about their credit card debt over sexual harassment or at 76.7% mental health. It's just amazing that it beat those, but where, where, you know, we talk about religion, politics, and money are the three big boys. So Let's talk about the other two. Where does religion score on here?
5: So as we look at religion, it scored at 65.5% in our survey. And those are people who are thinking the topic is taboo around the dinner table. And politics is right around 50%.
0: That's amazing. So if if we score credit card debt at uh, 81, eight out of 10 people would rather not talk about their credit card debt, but one out of two will tell you who they want to vote for, for president or public office <laughs> or get into that discussion.
5: Yeah. Even if it kicks off in heated debate.
0: Right,
5: was that the most surprising thing for you? I would say yeah that that was definitely the most surprising thing. just to see those four topics on par with sex life essentially was really surprising and and we didn't expect to see the results that high, and we have some suspicions as to what could be behind it that maybe we can touch upon in in the interview further, but yeah, it really is surprising to see those numbers that high and kind of the lineup as we as we see um, which many people can review through the link you're you're providing.
0: And I know being in a place like The Ascent and The Motley Fool, Nathan, just like for us here at Stacky Benjamins, that's got to be a little disappointing because you'd hope that, you know, the things that you guys do and that we do, that these discussions would be a little easier than it shows here.
5: Yeah. I mean, if you look at both of us, we kind of had the mission to make finance a, a topic that's easier to talk about and more accessible to more people because there really are certain money problems that everyone needs to address. But coming from finance industry specifically, It's just kind of a a multi-decade cultural shift that we hope we can help advance in terms of being comfortable talking about money topics with people who have knowledge about it and who can be supportive and who can help you find solutions to your money problems. And part of that just comes down to maybe the the basis of religion is also guilt because there's a lot of guilt behind uh, money topics and sometimes in the media, um, various content online can essentially associate guilt with, you know, grabbing a Starbucks every other week. And, you know, we don't necessarily do that as guilt. Um, And we love to see people talking more about their finances and removing that guilt aspect. So hopefully they can be more open and seek out the resources they need. But that takes time. It's cultural. It doesn't happen within a generation. It takes decades to really move that along.
0: You also looked at work. How is it different uh, at work, these discussions versus around the dinner table? Generally the themes
5: hold pretty true but if you look at the official results at work sex life is number 1 and then criminal history is all just behind it right around 92% if we're rounding but the credit topics and money topics we talked about are all high on the list of credit score credit card debt home loan debt all those are kind of in the 85 to 86% region so essentially 8 to 9 out of 10 people are uncomfortable talking about that at work and then politics kind of gets ramped up the spectrum naturally at work as well.
0: Sure. But still behind those, those big four topics. It just absolutely. Yeah. Well behind too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who is more likely to think a topic is taboo to talk about men or women?
5: It's going to be women. And what we found in the research, so if you look at the gender disparity between it, about 60% of women are uncomfortable talking about personal finances. And this is at work specifically. And just slightly behind it um, is about 53% of men And as you kind of dig into the data, you see some differences between the two genders and so forth, but
0: overarching,
5: those are the general themes that you see just women are slightly more uncomfortable talking about the topic.
0: Maybe it's because of the part of the world that I live in here in financial media, Nathan, but I, that was also disappointing to me because I feel like at least in my corner of the universe, women seem to be way more open than men to talk about money.
5: Yeah, it's tough. And and from our perspective, both of us are involved in the finance industry. So we kind of see stuff on the front lines that sometimes we just have to step back and see if that's the the true picture overall. Now, of course, our research is a thousand respondents and there's some margin of error to any any sort of data point here. But, you know, it, it also does come down to how satisfied or dissatisfied people are with their salaries. And you see some discrepancies there. So essentially, the more dissatisfied somebody is with their salary, the more taboo they view a certain topic. And if you look at the numbers, there, there's def- definitely a gender pay gap on average. And that may explain some of the hesitation
0: for women to talk about the topic. What's our biggest takeaway here, Nathan, do you think?
5: I think it goes back to the guilt aspect of it. And you know maybe I'll, I'll jump on a soapbox for a little bit, but I think there's more we can do in the finance industry to remove that aspect of guilt because there are a lot of factors at play that explain why... Americans are having a hard time making ends meet. Sure, some of it is people just making bad financial decisions. But from our perspective and what we see on the front lines is people generally want to know more about their finances and they want to improve their finances. But there are some certain struggles or structural factors in place that make it hard for lower earners to cover just basic necessities. And a lot of times that just results in credit card debt or lower credit scores and missing a payment, anything like that. So if we can remove the guilt of um, associated with any of those problems and people are more willing to talk about these topics and see it less taboo, there's really a lot of upside to uh, for these people just to seek out solutions that can help them improve their finances. So I would kind of peg it as being able to remove some of the guilt associated with the topic.
0: Well, and I know you guys are doing a lot to do that. While I have you uh, here on the shortwave, I'd be... Uh, remiss not to ask you what else you got going on over the at the ascent. I know you're not just talking about table and work manners.
5: No, we've done a ton of research on various topics, from gender pay gap to psychological costs of debt, and all sorts of various research that highlight a lot of different data points that are really helpful in our mission to improve in finances for all Americans. And you know, if we look at the Molly Fool as a whole or sister company, our mission is to make the world smarter, happier, and richer. And we've got a, a big reach to hopefully achieve that. And some of this research helps us get there. You know, if we can remove some of the guilt associated with finance just by this conversation, we're making progress and that's favorable for us.
0: Well, great work, my friend. And I'm glad you could hang out with us for a few minutes. And if you're walking the dog or on your commute, we've got you covered. We'll link to Nathan's study here and the Ascent study. I guess, Nathan, it wasn't just your study. I'm sure there was a team of people that did it. (laughs) Uh, We'll link to it on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Great talking to you, man.
5: As well. Appreciate the
0: time. Big thanks to Nathan. For calling the shortwave, you know, uh, the fact that you'd rather talk about how you're a racist over the fact that you have credit card debt.
3: I don't even know what to say about that. Something a
0: little, (laughs) I think it shows how skewed we are about these financial topics. That is, that is bad stuff. I think that's lesson number one. Don't be that skewed. And maybe lesson number two is don't be us skewed. Don't be us skewed. And then, (laughs) and number two is, uh, that prints overseas that wants you to send them a bunch of money via wire could be a scam. Maybe not, but could be, could be a scam.
3: Do you see the picture of the guy that got arrested in South Africa? And that's got a picture of, you know, he's in handcuffs and the police are there and they've got his bed tipped over and it's just full of money. Really? Just full of money. And the, and the meme says, Oh my God, he was real. (laughs) He's not real though. Might not be.
0: Angela Poli is the head of a company called MetPro, a company that uh, I use and I've had uh, lots of success with, man. I was talking to another friend in that MetPro, a gentleman named Dennis. and Dennis was telling me that the average person over the holidays from November 15th to January 15th OG gains 15 pounds.
3: I was going to say it's got to be over 10. Yeah.
0: I lost 10 pounds during that period, but even better than that, I felt great. And by the way, MetPro is not the only way that this can happen. It can happen other ways. We like talking to Angelo, though, not because we have an affiliation with him. We turn that around. We have an affiliation with him because we like what he says. And the fact that there is no one-size-fits-all diet that you actually need to do a little more homework than that it's much like money we talk about personal finance being personal but angelo's got a new book out and metpro has a new app that's in beta testing mode right now let's say hi to our friend angelo Poli. and here he is the man himself coming back to the basement angelo Poli joins us how are you man I am doing
4: awesome. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, love talking with you guys.
0: I We love having you on and we get such a great response from people every time you're on because as you know, Angelo, people don't associate feeling good and
4: fitness with finance, but they really should. Oh, man. (laughs) Indeed. If you're not feeling good, what what ends up happening? You you don't have your mojo. You don't have the motivation, that extra skip in your step. You're not productive. You got to feel good to really be productive. I mean, how many days do you look outside? It's like, oh, man, I feel terrible. And it's raining out and I'm exhausted. I think I'm going to get a ton done today. Nobody does that. When you're feeling good and you're taking care of yourself, so you get to check in boxes, my friend. That's what it's all about. Well, and it is funny, and I didn't intend to
0: talk to you about this, but like you and I, every time we talk to each other, the the, 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 the conversation takes some interesting turns. But, <laughs> but what's cool is my relationship with MetPro has also fed off of a, a Harvard Business Review piece I read quite a few years ago that actually became a book later, and it was all about Managing your energy, not your time, and it was Jim Lair and Tony Schwartz wrote this i don 't know if you even saw that uh, Angelo, but it was okay. this it was this big thing about how athletes, and you know this because you 've worked with many mm-hmm. athletes, you and your team, athletes will spend most of their time just managing their energy level, and what these two business guys said is, how come more business people don 't do that why aren 't they managing their energy level around?" You know, I've got a big meeting coming up on Wednesday or I've got the big close coming up in two weeks. So I should I should I mean, you say this all the time, man, it all dovetails.
4: So I've recently been diving back into some really interesting books from top CEOs and just top business executives who are who are just sharing their stories candidly behind the scenes. My wife is reading the book on Bob Iger because he just stepped down as CEO of Disney. And we've been reading a bunch of these interesting, interesting stories. And I think the answer there is the top guys, they are. That's why they're the top guys because they are managing their energy and more and more on a, you know, just mere mortal level. People that I talk with that are finding success, they tend to have a little bit more balance across the board where they're investing in their fitness and health stock in addition to their financial, their entrepreneurial, their business stock. And that seems to be the winning combo.
0: Well, let's dive into the science to transform. You begin by opening up with something that I may have heard you say one or two or 75 times <laughs> that, that, that it isn't about eat this, not that. Like most fad diets talk about, hey, eat this, don't eat that. You say that that is that's a non-starter.
4: So there is a science where each food has a certain macronutrient breakdown, a certain glycemic load, which is basically how fast that meal is going to impact your blood sugar. And it has a calorie content to it. That said, where most people struggle is not, is this a healthy food or an unhealthy food? Is this food good for weight loss or not? I mean, whatever the goal is, athletes build muscle, whatever your goal is, is this food productive for that more importantly big picture do you have the right strategy recently they've been asking me okay give me one piece of advice that i can start tomorrow and i tell them i want you to write down everything you're eating and your current exercise routine keep a log for a couple days and i want you to take that and go to someone you trust a good friend not an expert not a nutrition or fitness guru just a friend that's intelligent and say hey johnny Look at this log. I want you to know, can you tell what I'm trying to accomplish? Am I trying to lose weight? Am I trying to build muscle? Am I trying to lean up? What, what is my goal here? Same exact thing with the 401k portfolio stocks. As a complete novice, right? I should be able to come to you, Joe, and say, okay, here's my investment portfolio, and you should be able to at least at a glance directionally tell me Your goals are to do this, this, and this. If not, my investment strategy, my portfolio has an identity crisis. And that all is circling a a long-winded point that I'm trying to make here, specificity. Mm -hmm. Know what we're trying to accomplish, go after it, and there is a science to doing that. I want to dive
0: into that in just a second, but also at the very beginning of the book, you take on uh, the latest of the fad diets, intermittent fasting a little bit. I noticed it was just a little bit in there where you said, you said it was something, a
4: tiny tidbit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You said something about, you know, lately it's not about eat this or eat that it's eat on Tuesday. Don't eat on Thursday.
4: <laughs> that is the current raft of diet trends right now. And the take home message is there is some science in everything. I try and really drive home the point that we go through kind of the the century of diets where there's just, you wouldn't believe how many different strategies there have been out there. And almost all of them, barring a few exceptions, have some science behind it and have worked for some people. So you can't say, well, this is a good and that's a bad. That doesn't exist. What there is, is whether or not you're executing strategically. I think, and I, I may have used this illustration last time we talked But when trying to decide what tool to use, saying, oh, you know, cyclical fasting or no ketogenic or no, you got to do paleo or no, you got to just count calories or, you know, it's all plant. Any approach you take is kind of like walking into a car mechanics garage and saying, hey, I see you have a lot of tools. You're really wasting your time with the screwdriver because the wrench is a superior tool. <laughs> you just, you, you might as well throw the rest away. It's all about knowing what tool is right for the job, which is, and now we're getting back to MetPro, short for metabolic profiling. That is simply to identify where your leverage points are. And it's common sense stuff. If you're already, eating low calories. And I have, I know I always go back to weight loss. People know me as the guy that's worked with these elite athletes and these, and what am I always talking about weight loss? No, these superstars didn't call me up and say, Hey, Angela, I can't lose weight. No. But after they called up and worked with me, the next 9,000 people called, Hey, Angelo, right. lose a few pounds, right, right? right. That's usually part of the whole wellness process. And so Most people are trying to drop a few pounds or have an effective approach. The whole idea of having a metabolic profiling process is to tell us what approach is going to give us the most leverage. If you're already the type of person who's watching what you're eating, you're watching your calories, reducing a little further or just becoming a little bit more strict it's probably not going to be enough leverage to really move the dial. If you already, well, I don't eat carbs. So how are you trying to lose weight? I don't eat carbs. Well, how's that going for you? Yeah, I'm kind of stuck. I've lost 20 pounds, but I'm not losing the next 20. It's not that restricting carbs is a faulty strategy. It's that you've played that card. That was two rounds ago. We have to work with what's in your hand. Now we have to adapt and update our strategy. Once your body goes, okay, I get it. I know what you're up to. I'm good. I'm going to just settle in right here. I'm good until you throw something at me. I'm not expecting. That's what it's all about. Figuring out the science and the math behind it. Well, and what's
0: interesting about the science of math, and you make a great point of this, is that what works for you at, let's say, you know, I'll take my way at 200, isn't going to work for me at 185. My body changes in response as I go, and then the science changes because of it.
4: That's right. That's right. Most people get it. My body is not like my neighbor's body. Yet, when we look and we see someone having a really good result on something, we always in the back of our mind, well, if I just do what they do not usually. So it's normal human tendency to just look over our shoulder, but our genetics are so different. But what most people miss is, is like you said, what works for me today. In other words, here's what really gets people. I don't understand. They say, Angelo, I just can't, don't get it. I did this diet or I did keto or I did this or I did that. And last time I lost twenty five pounds. This time five. Yeah, yeah, like, yep. Well, I understand. Well, and it's and it's
0: funny, Angelo, because you go over all these fad diets for the last century that you referenced <laughs> earlier, and I want to walk through some of these because it was amazing how many of these diets I've heard of. And to your point, to some degree, they may work for some people. I mean, obviously, and that's why they became so popular. But you go all the way back to nineteen hundred and a guy named Horace Fletcher who said chewing your food until it's liquefied was going to be the key to success. And I can imagine making digestion a little easier by chewing more
4: might, might help people a little bit. Fletcherism. It was the first liquid diet, right? All these liquid diets now. No, no, that's just Fletcherism, right? It's liquid diet. He's like, well, here, since you don't have a, you know, electric juicers, here's what we're going to do. You're just going to chew your food. Everything under the sun, there, there are very few diets out there that aren't, haven't just been circled back around. This is just their second or, or, or third iteration. Yeah,
0: some of these seem kind of scary. The uh, Arctic explorer Stephenson, you say, in 1928 had the Inuit diet, uh, which was high-fat, low-carb diet. In, mm-hmm. in 1966, this one was scary, the Sleeping Beauty diet, which was the advent, I think. Probably that was the advent of diet pills.
4: It was abusing drugs, Yeah, drugs for weight loss.
0: Yeah, what could possibly go wrong there, Angela?
4: I I can't imagine what would go wrong there. (laughs)
0: My mom did the one in 1971, (laughs) the grapefruit diet. I don't remember 1971. This is funny how much this stuff propagates because I probably remember my mom, Angela, doing this like 78, 79, 1980, doing the uh, grapefruit diet. Like she just ate so many
4: grapefruits all the time. I felt, well, we had a ton of grapefruit, man. Yep, that's it. And all of these diets you can put into different buckets the grapefruit diets you know you basically you burn more calories walking over to the fridge and cutting the grapefruit there's virtually nothing in it so you know people oh grapefruits are magical no not eating is magical it's just (laughs) that there's no no caloric load that's what's going on here but you know it's all different strategies circling back
0: i thought that about the cabbage soup diet because i've done uh not a well i I went through a period where I ate a lot of cabbage soup and then I realized that a prepping that took a long time. But then B, you know, there wasn't much there wasn't much in it. I mean, you come back to there's a few levers and fewer calories is is a big one. The Atkins There's a diet, great
4: the, you know, there's a great side health benefits. A cabbage soup diet is a stress reliever, too. And you, and you know why that is. Studies have shown the number one cause of stress is people. And the number one way to get rid of people <laughs> is a diet completely <laughs> of cabbage soup. Because you smell
0: great. <laughs> you smell fantastic.
4: That's it. You go That's through, it. of course,
0: Jared Fogle in 2000, Subway all the time. That's all you do uh-huh. is on Subway. The Atkins diet which, yeah. w- which you didn't tell me this, but I've read since then that that can be kind of bad on some of your organs. Uh, true? Any
4: of these approaches. So low carb dieting is just this huge swath and range of eliminating carbohydrates and sugars from your diet. So that can be implemented to a very healthy degree. And that can be implemented to a very extreme degree. But there'd be, you know, there's a good argument for it. If you're living off of butter and bacon and not taking a healthy approach to a strategy, yeah, it's it's going to do a number on you. And a lot of these approaches really weren't designed to be a lifestyle. They were designed to break through a plateau and somehow along the way, they they got misused and you got a mechanic, you know, trying to use the screwdriver where he really needs the wrench. And so that that's what's going on there.
0: I want to go through a few of the things that we need to know. We talked about a lot of the bad things, but the, what, one of the first things you talk about that's really important is to know what body type you have. And you list three different body types. Do you mind going over those?
4: Yeah. So... Ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph. And while there are some people that just squarely fall into one or the other category, think of it more as kind of a sliding scale with ectomorph being on the petite musculature side. Think of longer arms and legs, maybe like a tall runner's physique. And then endomorph being the stockier, you know, the survivor of the group, naturally muscular, broad shoulders, thicker legs, and then the mesomorph in between. I like to think of it as, okay, where on that spectrum do you fall? And based on your genetic predisposition, because you can have traits from multiple body types, that's um, a good indication of how you will likely respond To diet and exercise. So, you put two different individuals of two different body types on the same exercise and diet program, they can get two different outcomes. And I'll tell you where this can be so frustrating and it doesn't have to be. So, you got two buddies who went to high school together, now they're in their 40s. Okay, so in high school, one of them weighed and graduated at 165 pounds, the other weighed 215 pounds now they're both a little overweight they both have a few pounds to lose they're in their 40s they both weigh about 250 pounds they both go on a meal plan they both start exercising one of them drops 50 pounds like that he just cuts out soda he gets active he eats a few more salads bam the weight drops the other one does everything right but he only drops 15, 20 pounds, why? Well, part of it is just you don't have to look any further than just genetic expression. The guy who graduated high school at 215, his build, his natural musculature and size as a human being, his rib cage is simply bigger than the other guy. So, I mean, you can make the argument that though they both weigh, 250 pounds, one was significantly bigger than they were supposed to be. So it's not that he isn't making just as good progress. It's that the other guy's structure is, you know, he should probably weigh 170 pounds. Whereas the guy who's losing slower is probably only has 25, 30 pounds to lose. So that's where body types really come into play and knowing what you want to do. So a lot of people are told these truisms that are irrelevant. I'll give you an example. Truism that's irrelevant. So some people say, well, it, it is scientifically proven that you know eating spicy foods raises your metabolic rate. So if you put hot sauce on everything, you're going to have a faster metabolism. That has been scientifically proven. Now, here's the marketing department, right? Yep. Scientifically proven. Here we go. Put, you know, Tabasco on everything. It is equally scientifically proven that if you blink your eyes twice as fast, it raises your metabolic rate. Both of those things are true and both of them are utterly irrelevant. Just stop it. You're killing me. You're killing me. I once wrote for a a magazine. I, I, I didn't write for the magazine. I was interviewed for a magazine that will remain nameless. And it was back when they wanted to do this big piece on how, oh, drinking cold water can really help you lose weight because you have to heat up that water and it raises your core metabolism. And they said, is that factual? I said, that is factual. I said, we'd like a statement on it. And I said, nope. Why? Because it's irrelevant. Like a film of dust on a scale. That's how much it's going to account for. And that's the whole issue going back to having somebody who's a strategist help you with it. There are a million and one things that may be factual and maybe true, but simply aren't relevant. What I want you to do is, uh, our, our listeners, is take actions on the items that are practical and will really make a difference. And there is a way to identify what those items are.
0: Well, one thing I found that was really important for me, Angelo, and you walk through this in the book and, and we're not gonna have time to get too far into it, but there's a lot of different levers, right? I mean, people pull one lever and they think a lot of these diets pull one lever and they think that that is the control, but you've got calorie control, carb control, glycemic control, meal frequency, uh, nutritional periodization, uh, whole eating, whole foods, uh, sugar control, fibrous foods, Um, but there's all kinds of different levers to pull and different levers are going to work better with different people and under different conditions. And I found, I found that piece all interesting. Yep. The fun thing about the book is that you have, you have made the book free for our
4: listeners. I have for your listeners, for for Joe and his listeners.
0: (laughs) Uh, The way to get it, you go to metpro.co forward slash book S B that's metpro.co forward slash booksb and it's the science to transform and goes through, guys. Why? Much like we talk about with financial planning, why it's not one size fits all. And and, 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 and as you know, Angelo, it's so much harder to tell your story than it is to tell. Uh, just eat grapefruits all the time and you're going to be good. <laughs>
4: like it's not. It is. It isn't a soundbite, Angelo. Oh my gosh. So the interesting thing is so the book is kind of a a blend of two different worlds meeting. One, it's my and our company's experiences of I've been doing this for a couple of decades. My company now, you know, five, six years really specializing in these high-level makeovers that we help people go through. The takeaways, the no nonsense reality of what the experts are doing with their clients under very specific circumstances. Here's what we found. Here's why we use these levers. Here's what we do. And now I'm blending that in with we've extracted that data over the last decade or so. And we've used it to help create an algorithm. So we're, we're making in a technology that started as actually a tool for my coaches and my experts. But now we're able to package it up and wrap it into uh, something that people can download to their phone, which is going to basically give them a metabolic score and an indication of what way they need to go. Because that fundamentally is the issue. The problem that I am trying to solve is there is, okay, what diet is best? There's no answer to that. What workout is best? There's no answer. They're all situational. What we can answer is how do you evaluate so you know which is the best for you? You can go to 10 different doctors and you can say, hey, doc, I have this symptom, that symptom, and the other. Nine out of 10 times, they're all going to tell you, well, you have the same illness. You're crazy. That's your illness. No, you have the same, whatever it is. You know, Here's your illness. You have this virus. You have this disease. You go to 10 different doctors and say, hey, doc, I need to lose 40 pounds. You will get 10 different recommendations. It will be all over. And and you know how I know that? Because we have more doctors as clients than almost any other profession. Because they're interested in the science of how the metabolism works. There is no industry standard, not in the fitness community, not in the medical community. And that can be seen by how many thousands of different diets and strategies are out there. What we're doing is if if you download the book, you read it or peruse it, and you don't think I'm crazy, you'll be invited to add yourself to our uh, our beta list. And I think it's just a couple weeks now, we're going to be releasing to the public this tool for people to beat it up. Don't send me hate mail. There could still be a bug. This is called a beta. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the innovations, I'm passionate about innovations. So for years, I've had a mathematical equation for if this, if that, but I've been stymied by one single factor. And that is, how do I know the data I have to make my if this, then that assumptions is accurate? Because Joe, I'll, I'll talk with someone who will you know, say, okay, here's how my body's responding. I've been eating this meal plan. I've been doing that. And then I always say to them, so how strict are you on the meal plan? And they say, "Ah, you know, pretty good. And I have no clue what that means. So when I have no mathematical base, when I have no baseline to work on, how can I provide an accurate next step? Well, in the in the new MetPro app, I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whisper it, not say it because I'm I'm afraid I don't want I just want to whisper it. I think I've solved it. I think I know you're going to, you know, six months from now, I'm going to say I didn't know anything and we read it, but I think I've solved it. So we have a system that forces us to extract the good data and throw out the bad data so we can actually give relevant directions for people who want something in their pocket to help them transform. I'm pretty excited about it.
0: And like, like anything, you mentioned this toward the end of the book, it's still gonna be good data in, good data out. If you download the app and you only give it half the data and you try to lie to the app about what you're eating or how you're working out, <laughs> you're, gonna get, you're gonna get a bunch of
4: junk out correct correct yeah it all starts based on the assumption that you're not going to lie to your own uh, <laughs> Phone. your own device right
0: <laughs> because we already know angelo it's already listening anyway i mean Oh my
4: gosh. Totally. (laughs) I love that. I joke about that all the time.
0: Oh no. Gertrude in our basement Facebook group talked about, we cracked a joke one time and she laughed and Siri laughed and, and Alexa laughed and (laughs) 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 everybody everybody laughed with us.
4: Uh, Oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, and that is super exciting because I know your goal has been to bring this to many more people than you've been able to do in the past. Um, so that, you know, people don't get just the grapefruit diet, which that's a very simple app.
4: But if it goes south, we'll just go back to the grapefruit diet. <laughs> we'll we could that. always- <laughs> that's,
0: that's perfect. Well, it beats uh, that Sleeping Beauty diet, my friend. That's ugly.
4: Yeah, don't do that one.
0: All right. So um, one more time, everybody, to get the book. And then that will also include the download to download the beta of the, of the app. It is metpro.co. It's not metpro.com. It's co metpro.co forward slash book SB for book stacky Benjamin So metpro.co forward slash book SB.
4: Angela- if, if you do that, you can also, you'll get an invite. And if you want to actually talk to one of our coaches on the phone, you'll be invited to do that.
0: Yep. My coach kicks my butt. She is one of my favorite people. And on some days, one of my most hated people.
4: jesse is a sweetheart and she is she can be hardcore she knows her stuff she's been working with me for quite some time now it's just
0: the way i like her i like not liking her sometimes it's perfect (laughs) my wife thinks jesse is is a saint putting up with me but angelo thanks for hanging out with us and congratulations on the new book
4: thanks for having me joe
2: trivia fans Joe's mom's neighbor Doug here on awkward day I'm trying to think if there's anything at all awkward about you know this whole operation down here in the the basement honestly the the holidays eluding me because everything here is as normal as it could be I mean you just got two guys who podcast out of one of their mom's basements sure one has a bag over his head but I mean that's understandable have you seen the guy Uh, you know they got this awesome neighbor who visits them all the time. clearly loves the sizzler and is a bitch in el camino it's basically best friends with a woman maybe 30 years older than him i mean it's more like a mentorship friend relationship thing but i mean what's awkward about any of that we're gonna probably have to give this holiday a pass because it just doesn't apply to this total normalcy we got going on down here but before i get back to searching for some awkward moments because gotta be some right here's today's trivia what change that affects people's sleep and productivity was approved by Congress on this date in history back in 1918? I'll be back faster than you can say, awkward turtle. Awkward turtle? What is awkward about? Yeah. Well, I can't
0: believe we are less than a month away from tax day, OG. And you know what that means if you're somebody who's been waiting, the bell's ringing. To get your tax stuff together. And then if you're wondering what process you're going to use for your tax return, you should take a look at Free tax USA because it was founded way back in 2001 by CPA and a team of professional software developers. It's one of the fastest growing tax websites online today. I was amazed by how many people in the basement already use Free Tax USA, the basement, is our Facebook <laughs> I did group. see that, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people there. Over 43 million free federal tax returns been filed with the IRS through them, and the Free Tax Service has... 175,000 five-star reviews your maximum refund is guaranteed at free tax usa and their free service includes basic premium and self-employed features federal filing is free even if you have 1099 rental or small business income other services of course charge over $100 to file advanced tax returns how do they make money that's a great question. Well, they make money from state tax returns and other optional services. Filing your federal and state taxes together saves you time and improves accuracy. And for less than 15 bucks, it's an excellent value. FreeTaxUSA treats returning users right. No other service gives more to the returning user for free. FreeTaxUSA doesn't charge customers to archive, to download, or print their old returns like some other sites do. Importing is automatic and free every year, returning users automatically their tax information rolled forward from the year before. And if you didn't use Free Tax USA last year, don't you worry because you can import a PDF from TurboTax, H and R Block, or Tax Act. Customer support is free and accessible through their support center or email. Also, and I love this, there's no risk to try it. You don't pay anything until you're ready to file your return. You create an account and compare the results and price with your current tax software, and bam you're going to find out what we're already telling you. Free USA has been super, super simple. What's interesting that I like, when I'm reading through the reviews in the basement is just how much more simple and how much more easy people find it than other tax services, which makes me feel good that we highly recommend them. So to learn more and to get 10% off just because you're a stacker, head to FreeTaxUSA.com forward slash SB and use code SB That's freetextusa.com forward slash SB and use code SB.
2: Hey, trivia fans, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, you know, in the interest of celebrating national awkward day, how about this? I was just thinking I get a commission from these yahoos every time I sell a t-shirt. I just realized though that there's a better way than getting two bucks a shirt. Why don't you get four of your friends to sell shirts And I'll give you 25 cents for every shirt they sell. And then, you know, like if they get four of their friends to sell shirts, we can give them a quarter and then you get a dime. And I mean, it's, it's ingenious. How come nobody's thought of something like this before? The money's just going to keep rolling in. It's not really even about selling t-shirts at all, is it? I mean, you could actually sell zero t-shirts as long as you found lots of other people to sell them. I know it's not really in the spirit of international awkward day because I mean, what's awkward about asking your friends to sell high quality products at great prices and then getting them to find their friends to do the same thing. I mean, it pretty much the whole deal sells itself. That's an easy conversation to have with one of your friends, right? So I'm telling you now, just go invite one of your friends to have some coffee. Don't tell them what you want to talk about beforehand. Because it's better as a surprise, you know? So just like say, hey, I'm going to go buy you some coffee, maybe a nice little scone or something like that, and, and we'll just have a nice talk. It, it, it's so easy. So, uh, you know, I'm even thinking about this. We're going to call it the American T-Shirt Way. That's kind of long, but I can shorten it. I can shorten it to American T-Shirt Way Am Amway. I can shorten it to Amway. <laughs> so it just rolls off the tongue. Well, before you start recruiting people, just hold off on that, though, and listen to the rest of my trivia. Let me give you that question one more time. Uh, What change that affects people's sleep and productivity was approved by Congress on this day in history back in 1918? If you answered Daylight Savings Time, you'd be right. As an extra bonus, Daylight Savings Time now gives you more daylight hours to recruit friends to participate in my new company called Amway. What are you standing there for? Go start selling your friends. See so ya. You...
3: Mr. Showoff, you got that one right. Unless you live in Arizona. Where's the other state? Indiana? Does Indiana not participate? I can't uh, remember. There used to be a part of Indiana that did participate, but I think that they all do now.
0: The funny thing, and people from Indiana now are going to write in and tell us. <laughs> if only, Whatever. If only there were a place we could look that up. Very quickly, if it were good, if it were material, we would we would worry about it. I love this discussion with Angelo about managing
3: your energy. O g, managing your energy, not your time. That's all it is, because you have to do the most important things during a time when you've got the most oomph. Basically, but you hear people talk about, like get the hardest thing of your day out of the way first thing in the morning and the rest of the day. Well, it's not because. It's hard. It's because it takes the most brain power, right? It takes the most energy. So, uh, so yeah, that's a really big thing.
0: It's funny how all these people, uh, dovetail, uh, remember when Laura Vanderkam was on, she was talking about you only have so many decisions in you. And I remember, uh, a, uh, I remember a mentor of mine talking about the time box, you know, about how you've got this box that is time and you've got two choices. You can either make better use of, of the time inside the box, or you can expand the time box with any time. which one would you rather do? But of those two, you can only expand that time box so far. Yeah. So being better as much of that time as possible is a huge part of winning. Hey, let's throw out the Haven lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven life insurance agency, they put what you value first.
3: For me, it's randomly receiving wire transfers from people. That's the thing I value the most right now. The, the, and, and that's your insurance policy right there. That's it, baby. Yes. Just wire transfer me stuff.
0: It's actually your loved ones and your time, believe it or not. That's why they made it at Haven Life easy to buy quality term life insurance. They made it actually simple. Head to Stacky com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. I love what they're doing over at Haven Life because they've made that application so, so, so much simpler. And if you're somebody that's never gone through the process, you've got one of two choices. Do it the way that uh, most companies do it or head over to Haven Life and save yourself a ton of time. And you're working with a 160-year-old company because while Haven Life is not 160 years old, they're backed by MassMutual, which is. And today we're throwing out the lifeline to Maz. Say hi, Maz. Maz.
6: Hi, Joel and uh, OG. Uh, I have a quick question about uh, what's your take on Robert Kiyosaki, the rich dad, poor dad guy. I apologize. You might have mentioned this already in your previous podcast, but uh, I probably didn't hear that podcast or that question. He talks a lot about uh, not buying a house, about his uh, concepts on debt. My Understanding is listening to your podcast uh, for about a year that you probably will not agree with his take. But anyway, I was interested in knowing what you are, what your take is on his notion of personal finance. Thank you again. And uh, I really enjoy your show. And whereas you guys like saying I've never learned anything, but actually I've learned a lot. And that might be something I'm not supposed to say. But anyway, I <laughs> will appreciate if you can answer this or you can send it to me in my email. That's up to you guys, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.
0: Oh, no, Maz. We'll answer it right here for you. We'll absolutely answer it. Robert Kiyosaki. I've got some thoughts about uh, Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad. OG. Have you read it?
3: No, i never heard of it. Yeah. Um, who? Who? Of course I've read it. I've got all the books on tape. Don't you have the... Uh, the books together. on tape. Do you got the Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, CD-ROM book set? Oh, no, that? I do not. I've got the big, that's in the big plastic case with all the CD-ROMs and the workbook that you work through. So Robert Kiyosaki is well known for his most famous book, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but he's got a lot of other things that he talks about as well. And the And the thesis behind it is wealthy people don't go through lifestyle inflation. Wealthy people don't buy depreciating assets, i.e., cars and primary residences and instead what wealthy people do is they buy income producing assets or things that are going to appreciate and he is very anti-stock market which I don't agree with but the overall broad brushstroke of don't buy things that cost you payments pay cash for it or what I really love is and I don't know if he says this in the book or if it's in a CD somewhere if you want to buy a Porsche go buy a Porsche But before you buy the Porsche, go take the money you were going to go and put as a down payment on your Porsche, and then you've got a $500 car payment. Take that down payment, go buy an apartment building. That kicks off $500 a month. That pays your Porsche payment. It's the same cash flow out, but you're using, you know, you're producing income that can sustain your lifestyle with it. Now, of course, we'd all say, well, maybe you don't need to buy a Porsche or whatever the case may be, but that really stuck with me. And every time I go through, like kind of that uh, consumerism time where it's like, oh, I, I kind of feel like I need to buy something, <laughs> you know, instead I've, I've just always been able to come back to, all right, what can I do to turn this into money that then can fund the thing that I want? And it's not that linear, of course, but anyway, I love that message from Robert Kiyosaki. I love the message of don't buy depreciating things. Don't get yourself into payment hell of every single, you know, every single uh, month you've got this huge outflow. If you can control that and if you can control the urge of buying stuff and instead say, OK, I'm going to take this money and turn it into something that's going to produce money. That's kind of the part of the message that I really liked. Yeah, the uh, for me,
0: it's all of that the idea of having another income stream. And I love the fact that he talks about the taxation on that income stream is better. Like the most expensive way generally OG to make money is to work a job
3: is to go make it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's going to yeah. work. The The quicker you get your money out there. And I love this analogy of, of rich dad, poor dad of your money, having a lunch pail and going out to work while you're working. And the harder that guy works, the less hard you you have to work. I love that imagery. I think it's fantastic. When I first read that, I devoured it. It's one of the few financial books that Cheryl, my spouse, likes and read very quickly. And we had lots of good discussions about Uh, Robert Kiyosaki personally. I don't know him personally, but I do know a few things about him. We interviewed his co-author, Sharon Lecter, on the show. She uh, very notably sued him. I believe he's had at least one bankruptcy, maybe more. He's aligned himself with multi-level marketing companies. He talked about small cap stocks, uh, very small cap stocks, buying penny stocks as part of your strategy, which is ridiculous. And frankly, I think kind of dangerous. So I think if you stick with the wide brushstrokes, I think you're going to do really well. I think the more you dig into Robert Kiyosaki personally, the more, and I don't know the man, so I, I don't know. I just know there's a trail of stuff that's not so great that also, well, we've all, we've all
3: got, you know, stuff in our past. I think your message is you can drink some of the Kool-Aid, just maybe not don't drink it all.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's like anybody, right? I mean, I, I can't can't stay. David
3: David Bach, great (laughs) example, right? I completely disagree with the, if you give up going to Starbucks once a day, you're going to retire a gazillionaire.
0: And, and the fights people have about Dave Ramsey. Come on. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure people fight
3: about us. I was, nobody fights <laughs> about us. We fight about each other. The other thing that I was thinking while you were talking about Kiyosaki, you're talking about making money. This was the other thing that I remember from him. And it's not this linear. Everybody who's a CPA, you don't have to write in. I understand it, but it's just a metaphor. Like you said, when you go out and you make money, you earn, you know, you got a W-2, you're working a job, you make money, you pay taxes then you buy your stuff and then you save what's left whereas if you own a business you make money you buy your stuff you pay taxes with what's left yes you know and then you save so you flip those two things around if you're a business owner legally of course right you gotta you know all the rules but i think his point is is that it's biased toward business owners you know it's biased toward people that have the ability to legally and lawfully say this is a business expense and the government allows you to pay for that pre-tax, basically. Whereas if you're a regular a regular Joe, an average Joe money, who's out there w 2 in it, you know, and you know how it is. You make money, you pay taxes, you got to live on what's left. So those two things, both that and the buy something that produces income as opposed to buying something that costs you a payment, those are kind of the two messages I thought were the best out of it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the question, Maz. You got a question for us, head to com forward slash voicemail. And like Maz so eloquently asked his question, you can hear us answer yours as well. Great question. That's going to do it for today. Hey, big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. And big thanks also to everyone who's left us a review of this year podcast, I like this one by Slackerville 3 Money with Doug. Joe and OG don't have the most professional podcasts in the world, but it's amusing nonetheless. Yeah, we do. (laughs) At three posts a week, there's no shortage of content to absorb and immediately forget. Not sure if I'm getting smarter or dumber, but at least there's Doug's useless trivia to look forward to. Keep regulating your eight ball episodes. Yes. The famous eight ball episode. By the way, we've got some fun episodes coming up that uh, can't talk about, can't tell you what they are, but man, we've got some, we got some fun stuff. All right. That's going to do it for today. If you're someone who needs better financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients. The doors are open. So to interface with them, head to Stacking Benjamins. (laughs) I was head to Facebook. What am I talking about? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. And uh, that will link to the calendar to get a meeting scheduled with them. All right. That's it for today. Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
2: Ah, sure thing, Joe. I'll tell everybody what we were supposed to learn today. First, take a lesson from Angelo Poli. Want more money? Chase more energy, not more time, and you'll find yourself conquering mountains you didn't believe you could scale. Second, take some advice from Nathan Hamilton. Money is an awkward topic for most people but if you look to normalize those discussions we can have more real understandings and help each other with our money struggles but the big takeaway before calling your American t-shirt company Amway you know, probably use the Bing machine and uh, look up whether that company name's already been taken because turns out it has and they they're kind of a big deal Thanks to Nathan Hamilton for stopping by the basement. You can learn more about Nathan by heading to our show notes page or by going to fool.com slash the dash ascent. Also, big thanks to Angelo Poli for stopping by the basement. You can head over to our show notes page to get more information on his book and the new MetPro app or head to metpro.co forward slash book sb. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahigh, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor.
0: Because I am very highbrow, I don't know if you do that, OG. I'm incredibly highbrow. Mm-hmm. By the way, is that mom yelling upstairs, or is that, uh, <laughs> is that the the natives going crazy? But because I'm highbrow, I went to see this highbrow movie. This is a movie that uh, Cheryl, believe it or not, wanted to see. This is Jane Austen's Emma.
1: Dearly beloved, friends. We gather here in this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence? innocence. No.
0: they're off and running i could keep playing that but all you're hearing is giggling and uh you're not getting the benefit on an audio podcast of seeing all the scenes of people dressed in in their uh classic finery back in the days of of jane austen this uh film has been done again and again and again and the latest iteration i think uh cheryl has seen a few of these and took me to see it and you will be very happy with me og because this movie that I'm sure you're going to go see, which is about love and about uh, the class system in in England, oh, what was that? During a classic period, uh, <clears throat> I fell asleep. <laughs> Cheryl literally had to wake me up. And while the end, I hung on and I made it. It was okay. Cheryl went to see plenty of movies that I have wanted to see that she didn't really care about. Would I recommend it? Oh god, no. I guess not. <laughs> oh god, no. I would not recommend it. And it wasn't that it was bad, it just wasn't for me. Um but yeah, uh 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 that uh, that I I don't know what else to say. Um if you like Jane Austen, I'm 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 sure Jane Austen fans fans will like it. I I will say this. I'll turn in a portion of my man card and say this. There is a game that was recommended that when we were in Seattle a few months ago visiting our son, we went to the game store and I pointed out that this game had great reviews called Marrying Mr. Darcy, which points to a different Jane Austen novel. But everyone everyone in the game is one of the female characters and your goal by the end of the game is to get married to whoever you're most suited for. And throughout the game, you're working on different characteristics of your person. And it's the game's hilarious. You turn over a card, you see what happens. There's different parties and you roll a die to see what happened at the parties. Uh, There are salacious incidents. In the latest game we played, uh, Cheryl ended up staying home all the time with a sick sister and mother throughout the game. My sister's character continually got caught Kissing soldiers in scandal scandalous scandalous times when she got caught, and wearing dresses that were either cut too low or cut too high
3: <laughs> I'm so bored by everything that you're talking about right now i can't even I can't even concentrate on the words that are coming out of your mouth It's a very funny game, so
0: marrying Mr. Darcy if you like Who's Jane, Jane austen oh bo- oh boy, I think we'll leave it there, Paula.